This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Hi everybody, welcome in. This is your now what will be Tuesday. It's Monday night for you watching this thing live on YouTube. It's going to be Tuesday for you on the podcast. Hope you're doing well. Hope you had a great Memorial Day. Hope you spent time with your family. Got to say thank you to those who deserve it. I think that's an important time of year. Uh, Obviously, today is to spend time and give thanks to those who deserve it for their sacrifice. Uh, But we're going to, you know, we're going to take time as usual here to talk Browns football as best we can. And we have some interesting topics today that I think are going to be Topics that keep coming up throughout the offseason, important topics, in my opinion, as we look at kind of picking apart where the Browns are, what the Browns are going to do against important AFC foes. Uh, So we'll get to our guests in just a moment. Reminder, if you have not, please do subscribe to this channel so you're notified every time we go live. And then the usual, if you can, it's so appreciated if you could like, uh, you know, give this a subscribe, uh, give this a a nice review, and then uh, some sort of comment is always appreciated as well. So as much interaction on the podcast channel as we could possibly get. It's always appreciated. Thank you guys for ju- joining in. Uh, upwards a little over 50 people here as we start. Uh, we're going to welcome in our guest, SI, Sports Illustrated, Pete Smith. He covers the Browns. Does a fantastic job. A voice I really trust. Pete, how are you? Good. How are you guys do- How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. So, well, there are a programmed uh, habit. <laughs> no, I get it, man. I get it. We uh, I, Listen, this is something I know you've talked about. I've talked about, Pete. I, I want to give you a chance to elaborate on uh, Jeremiah Wusukormo. I think people people saw him picked. They label him. This is the thing that keeps coming up. Is he's he's a Lamar stopper. Somebody that can watch Lamar, and uh, if Lamar tries to escape, uh, that he can make a play on him. Do all these different things. And and I'm curious, just kind of you know where you see JOK's fit, and then kind of what you see as far as this Lamar. Is the Lamar stopper even a thing? I'll let you elaborate. Give me your thoughts. Well, it, it shouldn't be. Let's put it that way. I mean, it, it, this is always talking about Lamar Jackson, and you know, the worst thing you can possibly do is decide that one guy has to stop what is arguably the most electrifying athlete in the NFL right now. That's a really just bad gamble. And it, you know, I get it. Some of that goes back to the way teams defended Michael Vick, but it just—it's not how teams sort of do it anymore. The best way to defend quarterbacks like uh, Lamar Jackson is numbers, uh, as opposed to you know, one guy, arguably, you know, the best Lamar stopper on this team might be John Johnson, just because of what he allows other guys to do playing that numbers game. But in terms of what JOK actually can do for you is he's really fast, but he's part of sort of this group approach that's going to help them sort of deal in coverage more than anything. And I think the thing that he does really well 
at least he did at Notre Dame, is playing in the slot and dropping into the arm, the flat of the quarterback's arm. And not only is he able to sort of cover and take away some of those passes, but if they do try to close, you know, try to try to press the line of scrimmage, he can now come up and attack. Whereas obviously everybody can remember Chad Henney scrambling for a whole bunch of yards and, and the Browns just didn't have an athlete that could close ground fast enough to sort of punish him for it. And even then, you know, JOK is a really nice prospect, but he missed like 10% of his tackles in college. So, you know, this is a group approach as it should be, you know, the comparison I made when I wrote about it was Gerald Wilkins stopping Michael Jordan. It's just, you know, the, the, the same rule applies here. Use numbers, use as many guys you can to force somebody else to beat you. So Lamar Jackson can't do it. And the Browns, you know, so much is focused on last year and the Monday night game. But in 2019, they did a really nice job in a lot of ways because their edges come up the field and take that away, which is something JOK can do. He can attack from the slot. He can attack as a, as a second-level blitzer. And certainly he can do some of that spy stuff. I think really where he's going to be effective against a guy like Lamar Jackson, and it's not Lamar Jackson, it's the AFC. Other than Pittsburgh and maybe Tennessee, every quarterback in the AFC has somebody that can can win with their arm as well as their legs. And that's really what this is all about. The Browns aren't just looking at the division. Sure, there's Burrow and there's Lamar Jackson, but Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, you know, if Justin Herbert comes up big this coming year, Tua Tagliavoa, those are all guys who could theoretically attack with their legs and create a different way. And JOK is part of that and that ability to sort of take them away. So when you, the game that stand, stood out to me as far as, really telling you what had to happen on defense was the AFC championship game. Browns weren't in it, but particularly in the second half, neither team was even pretending they were going to hand the ball off anymore. It was just get back and let your quarterback chuck the ball around. And when it wasn't there, they'd run around, roll out, and pick up yards with their legs. Every move the Browns have made on defense, whether it's Tack McKinley, Greg Joseph, John John Johnson, Jadevian Clowney, or Malik Jackson, all those moves – help combat quarterbacks who can create with their legs or extend plays. Let, let me ask you this. It's, it's, I'm curious in this. I have a thought that if you, if you try to take one guy and, and peg him as a spy on Lamar Jackson, and, and you kind of emulated this in your points, but just a general thought I want to get out. I think it can do a disservice to a singular player like, like a Wusu Kormo, who can do so many different things to have him just standing there staring at Lamar Jackson a majority of the time. Like, I just think that a quarterback spy is like a situational thing, that if it's a situation where you're going to play a lot of man or you want to go man in a certain particular situation and you don't want everybody's eyes to turn, but having him just sit there and spy him the entire game is a disservice to what the player can do. Am I right on that thought process? I, I tend to agree. I mean, the best thing you can do is sort of you can drop him in sort of the short zone looks where he's sort of got his eyes on. But really what you're doing is against the Ravens anyway, the way they're set up, the Buffalo Bills did a really, really good job of this going back to that game. Their corners took away his receivers. So their safeties and a bunch of other players all had eyes forward. Look, they're, they're there to defend the pass first and foremost. And that interception that went back the other way was a big part of that. But they're also in a position where they could see if Lamar Jackson's going to come up. Now they've got seven or nine guys that can are potentially responsible for trying to corral him. The worst thing you can do 
is play full man coverage, have one guy responsible for Lamar Jackson along with the defensive line. He comes up, Lamar Jackson does what he does, which he makes people look stupid, and now you're asking a rookie to not make a mistake. And now Lamar Jackson is basically recreating the run. He ran for 44 yards and a touchdown against the Browns. Man, he's he's a man beater, and that's what a lot of quarterbacks with their legs are able to do is they punish you for running man. So as much as you want to be able to sort of single cover some of their, especially their outside threats, and maybe John Johnson can sort of do some things with Mark Andrews, you really want as many eyes forward just looking at the line of scrimmage and getting a sense of where Lamar Jackson is going with his arm or his legs. So if you're saying, you know, JOK, just sort of hang out, look at him, and you're either I think you're best served to either blitz him on a delay or have him sort of be in coverage, whether it's the flat or somewhere else, and sort of get an idea of where they're going. Josh Allen is sort of the better example because, and this drove me nuts watching it last year, is every commentator recognized this. Uh, Lewis Riddick in particular was good about this. You can't let Josh Allen get to his right hand. And JOK, if you watch him at Notre Dame, that is almost always what he was doing, playing that right flat or blitzing up the field and taking away that ability to roll out. So now Josh Allen either has to roll to his left or step up. And the Browns have a bunch of defensive tackles that are hopefully going to be able to sort of play gap integrity rush. They're not trying to just, you know, other than Clowney and Malik Jackson, they're not just trying to beat a man and rush. They're trying to stay in their lane and take away, avoid creating some of those rushing lanes so the quarterback can't step up and escape. And with JOK doing that and Tack McKinley, these are guys who are perfect for this. They can take away that initial urge to want to roll out keep them in the pocket, and you have some of these other players like Clowney, like Jackson, and like Garrett who can come up and make a play. I couldn't agree with you more about rush lane issues that they've had. I think that that, that just hasn't felt like a great plan has been formed there far too many times when he breaks big runs. It is because people are rushing upfield far too quickly, uh, and, and it causes, you know, if it's a selfish pass rush and it's not geared toward funneling him in one direction, it, it, it usually will result in a long run. For, for Lamar. I think this topic will keep coming up about how you defend the Ravens until someone really shuts them down consistently across this division. And with Greg Roman, you're always going to be broaching the topic of how are you going to defend him. You need chess pieces, like you mentioned, John Johnson, Ronnie Harris is going to be a part of it. You need you need a, a group of those types of chess pieces to be able to stop Lamar, not just one guy. You don't, you don't draft one guy to stop Lamar. So I, I, I think I think we see this much of the same way. So I was curious and I wanted to get someone's opinion and luckily we agreed, which makes everything always easier. <laughs> let's talk about uh let's talk about defensive tackles. I'm gonna have these guys kind of flash across the screen here in front of us. It's the groups that they've added players they have added. It'll be a completely different group. You know, the 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 for the most part, Jordan Elliott is the sole returning player from last year's team. Let me put it this way, Pete, kind of blunt. Are you concerned about defensive tackle, or do you think this has a chance to be far better than anybody expects it to be? I'm reasonably concerned. Uh, if Malik Jackson or Andrew Billings gets hurt, you know, it gets thin in a hurry. Uh, those are two players that have to be really good, and and I couldn't be more excited to see Billings come back because, you know, it, with all the things that happened last year, not having him, was huge. He he was going to change things for Larry Okunjobi's role. He was just that perfect two uh, that two gap clogger that can really change the line of scrimmage against teams like the Ravens. He's going to be huge against a team like the Steelers, uh, who who just tried to fortify the interior of their line. I, I think he's going to be an impact player this year as long as he stays healthy. 
you know, Jordan Elliott is coming back and he has the most reps at defense tackle in a Browns uniform. Uh, and I'm, I'm actually really excited about what he can do. So much of defensive tackle is it's a really difficult position to tra uh, translate from college to the NFL. I mean, D Jordan Elliott was arguably a dominant defensive tackle, uh, at least in advanced metrics. And he's going against guys who are, you know, younger than he is or the same age or maybe a year older than him. And they're not the athlete he is. And now he's going against, you know, 28 year old men who have to win or they don't get, you know, they're going to get cut. And it's two of them. They're, you know, maybe better athletes than even he is. And, and getting used to that, that double team is tough. So, you know, Tommy Togi, I, I, my, my personal opinion, I think he can end up being the best player from the bronze draft class eventually. I, I, it scares me when any, anytime you're asking a, a, what a 22 year old guy to come in and be good immediately and contribute immediately. The, the thing that sort of gives me hope with this is they've got so many of them. So like there's the big three right now to me, which are Jordan Elliott, Tommy Togi, Togi and Marvin Wilson. And if those three, those are the three, I would say, just based on talent would be sort of the favorites to make the roster. They fit really well for what this team wants to do. If those guys make the roster, you know, two of them will have never played a snap in the NFL. And one of them played like 300 and some last year. It's just a really tall order. So if you're looking at sort of what's to keep an eye on in camp or the development, this is the group to do it. And not only because they're going to go up against arguably the best starting offensive line in the league, but guys like Drew Forbes, who is an outstanding talent, Nick Harris coming back in his second year, like those are real tests for these guys to get better. So the hope is that we're going to get an iron sharpens iron situation and that when they get into the season, it will almost be easier than practice was, which I think will get them some confidence. But again, if, if, if you suffer an injury, if you, you miss Malik Jackson for a couple weeks or Andrew Billings for a couple weeks, I think that can make a big difference, even though we, you know, we're, we're expecting – Jadevian Clowney is going to get a lot of reps in that spot for just their basic rundowns or what this defense really wants to do, which is protect those linebackers. And the Browns are going much smaller, protect them so they can fly around and make plays. And then that gap controlled pass rush we mentioned earlier, those guys, uh, those guys have a lot on their plate and it's not going to be easy in the division. Or you look at like the Kansas City Chiefs reloading their offensive line. You know, the Buffalo Bills have some big, you know, they're not a great line, but they're huge. That's a really big test for them. So I'm excited for what this group can be. But, yeah, I, I do have some 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 caution there. You, I mean, you might have mentioned Malik Jackson a little bit. Are you kind of lukewarm on him? They mentioned him playing some big end. Do you see that possibly being a role he gets moved to? Sure, but I, I am curious to see how many reps they can spare him if they start – to get worried about those defensive tackles. Basically, if Malik Jackson is playing big end, I think the Browns feel really good about those guys behind the initial front. So they might feel good about uh, about uh, Togiai and Marvin Wilson and Jordan Elliott. Uh, I think the less you see him, they may be a little bit more cautious. I I I'm excited about him in general uh, for the reason, like the, the photo shows right here, he had great games against the Ravens. He had great games against the Bengals. He had four hits on, uh, you know, Burrow last year in their, in the one game they played them. So you don't replace Sheldon Richardson, but I think what we're seeing is really a transition to the way they view defensive tackle. Sheldon Richardson was 
a guy who routinely played 70% of snaps per year. I don't think they're going to ask anyone on this defensive interior to do that, and or they shouldn't. Uh, I think they've divide, done it a lot like they're going to do with linebacker, where they've got really defined roles. You know, They're going to ask Billings to be in on those rundowns. They're going to ask Togiai and Wilson to try to contribute as much as they can. But I don't think they're looking to get you know 50 and 60 and 70% out of guys like Malik Jackson. I think they want to use those guys as sparingly as possible. And if the Browns can do what they really want, which is to dictate what teams are able to do by playing good run defense and forcing them to, to uh, longer down in distance situations. It's really going to free them up to sort of take care of these guys. And best case scenario of all would be getting a couple blowouts or just comfortable leads in the fourth quarter, unlike last year, where they can just get guys off the field. And, you know, we don't have the dreaded Olivier Vernon situation because that's the ultimate example. A game the Browns should have put away against a, a bad Steelers team allowed them to hang around. They couldn't put the game away. And then Olivier Vernon gets hurt sort of in the dead end of a fourth quarter of a game. They really should have put away, you know, let's eliminate the, the even the, the possibility of that happens. Yeah. Good points about uh, not, not forcing so many snaps. If they can get decent play across the board from everybody, and then you, you eliminate guys playing so many snaps, then you would hope you see an uptick in production. I'm trying to gather, Pete, as many thoughts as I can about this group because I seem to see a wide variety of people that do like the the the, the, the depth there, what they could be. Some people are concerned. If you look at it on paper and you're really nitpicking the Browns roster, I think your eyeballs go to defensive tackle because that's kind of where they're least proven among, among any of these groups. So let's kind of keep going with guys that I think have something to prove here. Uh, and, and, and it's a guy that we think has, was on the right path. I mean, he was on the right path after his first two years, fluky, weird injury happens his his third year in the NFL last year, another set of weird circumstances. Like I know that we're of the opinion that David Njoku is hyper talented. I'm just, there's a lot riding on this year for him. Uh, personally, obviously earning another NFL contract that is lucrative of some sort. And then also kind of the Browns have a lot riding on him too because he unlocks a level of this uh, position that none of the others can certainly do. And I'm, I'm sure, I know there's interest to bring him back if he can prove to be the player uh, that we saw trending after 2018. So like, I'm, I'm kind of curious, what is, a, what is a really successful season look like for David that justifies him making pretty good money and him maybe returning to Cleveland? I think... If you're just looking at where he can impact, I think the bookends of the season are really it. Week one against the Ravens, where he got utilized in a way they didn't utilize him really the rest of the year, which is they used him down the field. Like he had a big play on a wheel uh, and, and he got hurt. So, you know, who knows where he was physically, but that's sort of the thing that hasn't been utilized and what is utilized nearly enough for a team that, struggled with vertical threats and, and you, you and I have talked about this in terms of it felt like the offense was always in the red zone because they were just playing in a 20 yard box and they had no one that could really stretch the field but they never did it with Najoku who is was arguably the best athlete they had left after especially after the Odell Beckham injury I'd like to see him do more of those things where he can stretch the field because he's going to create space for some of those other guys and you know particularly with a guy like Odell Beckham when he's running like drag routes last year, everybody was on the drag route because there was no spacing. So like Odell Beckham just didn't have much running room. So I'd really like to see Njoku take what he did in the blocking game where he became just a force. I mean, 
it, it, it's a complicated game and, and people can get sort of lost in the weeds. But if you just watch the, the, the Steelers game in the playoffs, he's escorting guys off the field and depositing them on the bench on some of those plays. You just dominated. And he's the type of guy that, you know, they got sick of him. Like, no Moss. They wanted no more of him just absolutely killing them. And then that Chiefs game, it felt in some ways like a recognition that we didn't do enough. And I think the challenge for any coach, but particularly what's going to be the biggest challenge for Kevin Stefanski this year, is he has so many offensive weapons. How do you utilize them all? How do you maximize them all? And I think what can happen, and this is human nature as much as anything else, you get sort of in habits. And, you know, when you have, when you're play calling and you're doing certain things, you get sort of used to these things. And maybe you got used to Austin Hooper and Harrison Bryant. You got used to Jarvis Landry doing certain things. Earlier in the year, they did a lot of sale routes. When Beckham went down, he, that sort of disappeared from the playbook because they had to change his role. And it just felt like somewhere in there, Njoku sort of got lost in the mix in terms of the things he can really do. And you saw glimpses. The Bengals game where he makes that great catch. For the, you know, it's always a flash of like, okay, now we're ready to go with David Njoku. Was, you know, you're always sitting there going, okay, now it's time to go. And it really felt like that Chiefs game when he and Richard Higgins were the best two weapons on the team, that it was sort of a recognition that we have to we have to get him more involved because he is the most talented tight end. Doesn't mean he's the best one, but he's far and away the most talented. Austin Hooper is a great, great talent, a great, great player. He just cannot physically do what Njoku does. So that's a massive opportunity for Njoku. It's a massive opportunity for Stefanski. And I think as much as anything they've done in the offseason, getting a guy like Anthony Schwartz, hopefully getting Beckham, who's, you know, looks good coming back, and we're a little cautious, but we're like where that's going. Can we maximize David Njoku? Because I think that opens up everything. Opens up the middle of the field, which is going to open up running lanes, which is also going to open up the play action and those outside routes. I think of all the players they have, just in terms of talent, maximizing Njoku can unlock more than anything else they do offensively. Yeah, it's there's all the conversation around Anthony Schwartz and getting Odell back and all of these things that pushes this offense vertical, pushes it lateral to the full 53 and a third, and it's like it's it's David. It's David is the piece that nobody talks about because he can, like you have said here, uh, what I have said as well is he does things for the tight end room that nobody else does. And by virtue of that ability, you, you, you made a really great point about Kevin getting comfortable with who he had, certain situations, Harrison Bryant, Austin Hooper. Hey, if we're sitting down, and, and Kevin has talked about, Stefanski's talked about this all offseason, how do we evolve? How do we evolve? What do we do? Looking at your own personnel, this is the guy they have to get right because there is a potential for Austin Hooper to, after this upcoming season, there's a way that that money doesn't become an overwhelming problem, and you'd like to keep some continuity. And as you can see above, the guy will play this year at age 25. He's still so young at the position, and I know you're excited about him from day one back in 2017. People should still be excited about David Njoku because there's a lot to still be found there. And this offense can still favor what he does favorably, and it can be a benefit to this group too. So great points from Pete on all three topics tonight. Cannot thank you enough, Pete, for coming by, man, sparing some time with uh, with this fan base. I appreciate it. Always happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Jim. 
again, thanks to Pete uh, for for a fantastic visit. Um, he he did you know he does great work, and I say his own podcast that he does fantastic work on, which you need to be checking out. Um, he's at underscore Pete Smith underscore on Twitter. Make sure you're checking him out. Uh, good conversation. I think deeper football understanding is the goal, not just baseline stuff like what makes an offense tick, what makes a defense tick. That's the stuff that we care about the most, what draws my eyes, draws conversation. So check out Pete's stuff. He does great work. Don't just be like the guy doesn't like Jarvis Landry. There's more to that discussion on Jarvis Landry. Like open your eyes a little bit. There, he likes him. He likes him enough. But there's always bigger picture stuff out there. So, you know, don't yell at me when I have guests on because you don't agree with them. It's like, come on, man. Open your, open your, broaden your horizon on this whole thing. So, anyway, I appreciate you guys joining us. I appreciate the support. This last month has been overwhelming. This has been a success to go every single day. I did not know if it would be because there are great everyday pods out there. My friend Jeff Lloyd does uh, with Pete all the time. I think it's a great success. You guys seem to really like it. I'm going to keep doing it and ride this as long as you guys are listening. So I appreciate you. Appreciate you joining the YouTube whenever it's on. Appreciate you joining this uh, podcast whenever you do listen to it. Uh, again, a huge, huge thank you for, for, for me to you for the support this past month. Have a great day. Have a great Tuesday if you're listening to the audio form of this. I appreciate you guys. Have a, uh, have a great night, and go Browns. From self-help books to meditation, we work hard to find peace of mind. Xfinity Home helps you rest easy with a total home security solution. Installed by experts and powered by secure and reliable Xfinity Wi-Fi, you'll get 24-7 professional monitoring with fast response times and real-time alerts, like when doors and windows are opened. Rest easier with Xfinity Home. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash home security. Restrictions apply. Residential customers only. Requires compatible high-speed internet. Professional installation required. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.